0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I can feel that fire burning up here this morning. And I've got something I want to share with you today. And uh, you can be seated for a moment. I, I have to tell you that this has been something that's been in the incubator for a long time. And you know, there's there's times when you come to the pulpit and you know that what's been sitting in the fridge for a while is now ready to be served, and this morning I, I want to talk to you on this topic facing down the enemy. This is a day of, of complacency in the world. Everyone has become very lethargic spiritually. And that same thing is entered into the church. It's entered into every one of our lives because we're surrounded by it all the time. But now is the day for the child of God to be valiant and to do valiantly. Praise God. This life is full of battles. There are threats on every front against us as Christians And we are fighting against powers and principalities in this world. And this is something that has magnified as time has gone by. But if there's ever a day that we need to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ and not just be counted, but fight, today is the day. I've got good news for you. We have every weapon that we need at our disposal There is not a weapon that is not in our arsenal that cannot help us overcome the temptations and the trials and the assaults of the enemy. We have everything that we need to do to accomplish the will of God except willpower. We should be able to and we must face down every enemy. And rest assured, those that do valiantly will be victorious. I was looking at Revelations, the 12th chapter, verse 7 through 10. And I I don't know if you've ever quite read it this way. It says, and we're talking about the end times. We're talking about the times that we're living in. It says, then... War broke out in heaven. Now, I, I looked at that, and I thought, well, I thought the war was going on since heaven. Even before the earth, the, the devil was cast out of heaven. The war started a long time ago. What does John mean, then the war broke out? I don't know how to say this, because it might sound sacrilegious. You ever hear, then all broke loose? And I think that's what John was saying. In the end time, then the war, I'm going to say it anyways because I've already thought it and maybe it's a sin, then hell broke out. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have, have come the salvation and the power. And the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphant over him by the blood. Say it with me. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. I'm glad I can be a child of God today. Woe unto them that are walking out from underneath that, the doorpost of where the blood supplied. Woe unto the earth in this day and age that we're living, because the devil is being cast down, and he knows his time is short, and he is very angry. He knows that he has just a brief time, but those who are awake and alert will do valiantly, because greater is he that is in the church, that is in you than he that is in the world. I, I'm gonna sort of jump around a little bit, but as these thoughts come, I'm gonna share them. When I I enlisted with my brother back in 1971 or 1972 in the service and I was fortunate, and God sent me to, well, the Army sent me to Fort Lewis, Washington, and that's where I spent most of my time. But my brother went to Fort Polk, Louisiana. Ha <laughs> But anyways, one of the things that was drilled into me over and over again in basic training, being in the Army, was the concept that you should want to be an Airborne Ranger. I don't care how many miles we walked or where we ran. You can almost sing it. I want to be an airborne ranger. I want to live a life of danger. I want to go to Vietnam. They, They figured if you said it enough. And the last part was something that we won't say. But see, they were an elite group. The Airborne Rangers, like the Navy SEALs, They went; their training was much more extensive. I was reading about the Navy SEALs, and I'm not real familiar with it, but you realize that all those that enter into the program, only about 1% make it all the way through? Only 1%. And to be an Airborne Ranger... It wasn't just something you became. You had to pass the mental test. You had to pass the physical test. You were a special person, but you were awarded things that the other soldiers did not have. And you did special assignment because you were special forces. Airborne Rangers were considered special forces They were an elite and are an elite team. And I want to tell you this morning that all of us have enlisted in the Lord's army. But God is looking for special forces today. He's looking for people in these pews that are willing to go beyond what they've done and are willing to extend effort and energy and try to achieve a place of honor and fortitude in the battle that he's calling us to fight. I want to be God's airborne ranger. I want to live a life of danger. I want to cast Satan down. I want to put him in the ground. Unfortunately, or fortunately, even though I sang that song, I had no desire to go on for another 26 weeks, I think it was, of training. No desire whatsoever, because my heart wasn't in that. But now I'm looking around in the sanctuary today, and I, I know some of you better than I know others, but I look at you as you're enrolled in special forces, not everyone. Not everyone in this room has the desire, or maybe they don't have what it takes. How do I know you're you're in special forces? I look at the training that you receive, the, the training that you're receiving, and the struggles, and the battles, and the skirmishes, and how you hang in there. But it's a place of honor. The Bible tells me that when the Lord comes again, there's going to be a time when the church stands before him, the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to give unto men those things that are due them. It's going to be like an award ceremony. And some will have many stars, and some will receive greater rewards than others. I don't want to be the one that just comes in and skates into that I want to be, Lord, I did my best. I gave it all, and I'm proud to wear the the patch of honor upon my forehead, your name. That war started in heaven, and that war was carried down to earth. It has interfered with man's destiny, and it's disrupted the heavenlies. Because in Daniel's Daniel, the 10th chapter, it says, Then he said unto me, the angel, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But... The prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, the archangel, one of the chief princes came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet in the future." I find even in Daniel's time, he sought the Lord and he prayed, and God heard his prayer immediately, and the angels were dispatched. But there was a war, there was a skirmish in heaven. And for 21 days, angel fought against angel, fallen angel, God's angel against the fallen angel. Even in the spiritual realm around us, there is a battle raging. When, when God looked down at Gideon, he saw a young man that had a valiant heart. And he had conviction. And he called out to Gideon and he said, come out, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon didn't feel like a mighty man of valor because he had done nothing valorous. I made that word up. nothing of note but god saw in him what he could become and the same thing has happened in your lifetime god looked down at you and he called you a person or a warrior in his kingdom and you said the same thing that gideon said you've got the wrong person i'm just like everybody else no friend you're not God has called you out, and he has saw in you a woman or a man that will do valiantly in the kingdom of God. You just need to step out of your father's tradition and out of your father's house and become what you were called to be. If God called you, you can become. So Gideon stepped down in faith, and he called together the people And a lot of people, like a lot of people in the world, said, that's a great idea, Gideon. I'm sick of the Philistines and the Midianites and all these people taking everything we work for. We're with you. Just tell us how it goes when you come back. But he said that 32,000 did respond and said, yes, we'll come and fight with you. But really, they were afraid you know when you have fear, you do not have trust? They believed in God, but they did not trust God. The basis of love, remember, is based on trust. And God saw that they didn't trust him. And a soldier that does not trust his leadership is a soldier you do not want in battle because if they hesitate... If they do not follow a command because they do not trust its integrity, the battle is lost. So he said, if you can't trust me, I can't use you. And he said, well, 22,000 left. And he said, Moses, I want you, or not Moses, Gideon, I want you to take them down to the water. And here's where a lot of people in the church are today. I'm speaking to a lot of people that fall into this group. It's hot out in the place where they are. We're living right now in our generation. The the heat of tribulation is scorching, and we desire the living water of God. There's things that we desire. But he took them down to the water, and it says that 9,700 of those people looked at the thing that they needed but were not aware of the things that were going on around them. They were more interested in establishing a deficiency that they had in their own life than they were about being aware of the enemy that was nigh at their doorstep. And I find a lot of the church today, they're looking at the Holy Spirit, they're looking at the things of God, but they're not aware of what's actually going on just on the other side of the fence or even in their own home. And God said, can't use them. Send them home. I can't use a church that's more focused on its needs than it is on the battle because this enemy wants to kill you. I'm not going to send a person that doesn't have a clue into the heat of a battle because they'll surely be killed. Give me the 300. Those are the special forces. Those are the people that I want to go against the enemy because I can ask them to carry a pitcher and a horn and they'll still go because they have trust. Would you go out and fight against Any enemy in the Middle East with just a trumpet, make a lot of noise. But if you were told that you would not die and that the enemy would be scattered and you'd be victorious, if you really trusted that person, you would. See, our problem is the trust issue. Trust is built on faith. I look at Peter, and I look at the 12 apostles. Certainly, if there was ever a group that was in God's special forces, it was the 12 apostles. Matter of fact, that early church. Matter of fact, of all the apostles, every one of them gave their life for what they believed. John even was boiled in oil and still maintained his faith and died on the Isle of Patmos after he'd written the book of Revelation. Look at Luke, the 22nd chapter. It says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, Simon, that your faith will not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brethren. Now, I'm reading this from the NIV, and it's a little different than the King James Version, but there are several versions that translate this verse, this verse as not just Peter, that Satan wants to sift, but anything that's of God. I want to tell you, you're no different than Peter. Peter was born the same way you were born, he breathed, he walked, he talked, he had all the same attributes that you had. There's no difference. Satan wants to destroy you as much as... When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Then he speaks to Peter again. Jesus said to them later on, "Bring some of the fish you've just caught." So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged it the net ashore. It was full of large fish. But even so, 153 fish, even so many of the, in the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord Jesus. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared unto his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating in John 21 and 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Same thing that's happening with Gideon and those drinking the water. Do you love me more than your occupation? Do you love me more than the security that you get on earth? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I'm your friend. And we, had, we talked about this, I think, a week or so ago. Here a church, the different in the words loves. He's really saying, yes, I'm your friend, Lord. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? <clears throat> he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The ter- third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Three times he said this because it's extremely important to God that we take care of the flock of God. And that we feed the sheep, the lost sheep around us. And then he says to him, Peter, I got some news for you. I know that you failed me and you escaped death because you denied me three times so that, so that you wouldn't have to suffer. But let me tell you about your future. Verily, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. You're going to lose your independence. You're going to fall into this situ- situations where you have no control no control whatsoever. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now, Peter did what most all of us would do. He understood that Jesus was saying that he was going to die. That when he said at the Last Supper, he said, Lord, I'll go with you even unto death. I'll give my life for you. And God said, yes, you will. You will give your life for me. But then he started to wonder about everybody else around him. And you know when there's something that's going on where there's a sacrifice that needs to be made? You do the same thing that Peter did? He started to look at everybody else and said, well, what about them? Are they going to make the same sacrifice that I'm making? That isn't fair. I get so tired of listening to statements like, we'll get you what you deserve that's yours you deserve it peter's saying well if i have to suffer and die then everybody should it's only fair and peter turned and saw that disciple whom jesus loved was following them this was the one who had leaned back against jesus at the supper and had said lord who is going to betray you when peter saw him he said lord what about what about what about him And Jesus is answering you the same way he answered Peter when you say that same thing. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Even if you're the only one, even if no one else suffers any wrong or any hardship or goes through any trial. And it seems like all hell stands at your doorstep. I still want you to go forward with me, regardless of everything else. It is a relationship that ties us to the will of God and to our love and trust in his power and might. What about Paul? Not even one of the original 12. Acts the ninth chapter. Go, said the Lord. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles, and their kings, and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he will enjoy. Oh, go! He's talking to Ananias. Go into the house and and deal with Saul of Tarsus soon to be called. And here's what I want you to tell him. Tell him and show him how much he's going to suffer for my name. Boy, would, how would that work? You're a visitor in church this morning, and it's your first time here, and I would say, I want you to be a Christian, but let me tell you how much you're going to suffer for his name. Now, to someone that's a spectator, And someone that's looking for a free lunch or to have their back padded and their hands rubbed, that would really be hard. But for someone that wants to be in special forces, someone that wants to be a warrior in God's army, they are willing to say, I am willing to suffer. I am willing to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I will give it all because... I love you and I trust you, and I never ever want to be separated from your presence. Because a person that says that realizes life is temporal. Three score and ten years is absolutely nothing compared to eternity. It's no different than Esau selling his birthright for a pool of green pottage. Some people in their lives now will haphazardly give everything that God wants them to have away for a few moments of pleasure. So Ananias went to the house, and when he arrived, he placed his hands on Saul. Brother Saul, he said, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, did it come to pass? Did Paul suffer? Well, 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, he says this. I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds have somehow been led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He's speaking to the church, the Corinthian church. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily Enough. You make room for it. You just make it, put a little bowl by the door and you let it stay in your house. But that little thing that you're allowing to dwell in the background will be the one thing that one day will bring you down. And then he goes on to say, he knows that they're upset because he's talking straightforward to them. I do not think... I am the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. I'm going to jump down a few verses. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about, are they Hebrews? Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this, he says. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews. In danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger of the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who's weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And then I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And then he goes on to say in another chapter in Corinthians, for when I am at my weakest point, spiritually I'm my strongest. I want to tell you something about special forces. And the next time something happens in your life that is so overwhelming that it feels like it's going to crush you and you can't handle it. If you don't want to be in special forces, get out of the fire. But if you want to be a child of God mightily used in the battle against sin, you're going to pay the price. If you want to be great, you must be broken down and become weak. For when you are at your weakest point, it seems that you're the most overwhelmed with your situations. When you have no control over the things that happen every day and you're trusting completely on God's provision, that's when you're the strongest in your spiritual walk. And that's what Paul is saying. Therefore, he said, I will glory in my infirmities. Wow, I would never have thought to say that. I just got a, I'm not even going to say that. I just got a bad diagnosis or I got some bad news. Hallelujah, praise God. I only got three months left. I'm not saying that prophecy, okay? Just an example. Because when I enter into the furnace, guess who I'm going to meet? The fourth man. Because Jesus meets me at my weakest point. He strengthens me when I have no other place to turn. That's where the angels of God come to minister to me. The angels didn't minister to Jesus in the Mount of Temptation until he was at his weakest point. And then it says the angels of God came and ministered to him. So when you pray, pray that God will send you into struggles because if you really want to know him and in the the power of his might, that's the only place you'll find it. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, Paul mentions one other thing, and I'm not going to skip this. This is good stuff. Verse 32, he's talking about those that have been faithful that have walked before us. Let me tell you something. You are the descendants of royal stock. There have been people that have walked before you that have given everything, and you're no different than they are. And at the end of Hebrews 11, Paul says this, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released. They could have gone free. They refused to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute and persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what you've received. None of them received what had been promised, Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect, they did that without being filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you see this in heaven? Maybe put yourself in this picture. The Lord says, why couldn't you make it? Why couldn't you be what I called you to be? Well, the hours of my job were so long. I had a bum knee, or a, I, had, I had a few problems here. Nobody liked me. I just, And then the group over here, people that have been cut in half and imprisoned and stoned to death and destitute that didn't have a house to live in. How will that look? I keep going back to what, I think it was, brother, what was his name? Tall, skinny guy, bald head, really good looking guy. Um, Real soft spoken, spoke at camp. Real skinny guy died, came back to life. Brother Stone King, I knew that that would bring it once I said that. I remember Brother Stone King sharing this. I think it was Brother Stone King. He was talking to a diplomat from the Middle East. And he said to that man, he said, I, I've heard about those that have been beheaded for their faith, for being a Christian. And we pray for them. We don't know how you can do that, how you can go through all that persecution. And this, this person said to Brother Stone King, he says, that's funny because we pray for you. We don't know how you can do it, how you can be a Christian when you don't need anything. Jesus is all we have. And maybe this morning, you have too much. What's the Lord saying to you this morning? 1 Peter 4, verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ. Happy are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. And that should mean everything to you more than cars and houses and jobs and titles. On their part, He is evil spoken of, but on your part, He is glorified. He is glorified through your faithfulness and steadfastness in adversity. Not when everything is going good and you've got plenty of food in the fridge and no needs. He doesn't get glory that way. It's when he's, your, he's all you've got. If any be approached from the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory of God resteth upon you, on their part he's evil spoken of, but on your part he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin. Right here at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? It's going to start here. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole full armor of God so that you may stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Those are your enemies. It's not the person that's sitting next to you. The devil would like to cause confusion and get you fighting and distracting someone else from what they should be doing. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Make sure to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's not just a battle for your mind even though the battle is usually won there, it's a battle against your flesh. You're going to get diagnosis. You're going to get physical infirmities in your flesh because you're human. But glorify God in how you respond to your struggle. He's glorified in how you respond and in your weakness. Several weeks ago, Um, God spoke to me at Midwinter Camp Meeting. We've talked about the gifts of the Spirit and most of you know about the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. I was was sitting in the pew during Midwinter Conference and God spoke to my heart and he said, I want you to write down what I'm about to say to you. I want you to write it down because you're going to go back and you're going to read it over and over again. So I got my old cell phone on and everybody thought I was texting or whatever. But I started to write it all down. And he gave me a verse. It was 1 Peter 2 and 9 and that verse basically says you are a chosen generation. And this is what he said word for word. Fulfilling your predetermined destiny. yes, it may be hard to walk, but walk through the walls as I've given you power to overcome the enemy. A new day is rising, as you have seen, and is displayed on the very cover of the book that you've just got published. I just got this on Saturday. This is the first copy of the book that I, I had the privilege to write. It's called When the Dawn Breaks. I'll talk about that in a second. I want to, about the picture that's on the cover. The tide is coming in, and the dawn is rising, and hell is shaking. Yes, the war is raging. Oh, I can feel the presence of God every time I read this. But my people will do great exploits, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Receive encouragement, And drink from the fountain of my sacrifice. As you have not denied my name, neither shall I turn away from you in the hour of your trial. The victory is not yours, but the Lord's, for it is a battle that was started in heaven, but it will be finished on earth. And you are one of the warriors I've chosen Now I know that he's talking to me but as I'm reading this I know he's talking to you too because I felt so impressed that I should read this because this is for you as well. I have chosen, you're a warrior I've chosen. No demon can withstand me and since my spirit dwells in you and my name appears on your forehead nothing by any means shall stop or hurt you. Your wounds will heal, and your heart shall gain strength, and you shall do valiantly. Look not to the world for guidance, for I am the one who orders your steps. Let the sounds of victory precede the struggle, and the enemies of God will scatter, for they know that the Lord triumphant is rising from the sea of humanity's prayers, and his sword, it is in his hand. Look not into your heart for guidance, but look to the one who changes hearts and gives strength to the weak, for the mouse shall chase away the lion, and the sun will hold its place, and darkness shall flee. Rejoice in this my word, for it will come to pass." We went through the process of publishing this book. It's called When the Dawn Breaks. I've worked on it for a long time, and it's probably been seven months since we started started the process. But we got to the cover, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me, and he said, this is what I want on the cover. I want you to describe it to the designer that's going to make your cover and tell him to do it exactly like I've told you. So I got on my email and I sent a letter to the publisher and I said, this is how I want the cover to look. I want the sun to be rising. I don't want a picture, a painting. I want a picture of the sun rising. I want it just coming over the horizon. And then I want the angels of God coming forth from the sun And the Lord being in the very light of the sun and the angels driving away the darkness of the night. When the dawn breaks and the shadows flee away. And the reason that I feel this is so important is many of us have been so sick and we've tried to make it through the long blackness of a long night and we've wished for the day, we've wished for the dawn, and we prayed for the dawn because we knew when the sun came up, it would drive away the fears of the night. Spiritually, I am praying in this dark world in which I'm living for the sun to arise and the angels of God to come in, come forth and Jesus to come riding in and to deliver the world from the oppression of the blackness of evil. I'll tell you what. I'll I'll leave, I'll leave this book on the back table. It's just the few copies I've gotten. This it's going to come in hardcover. This is just a soft cover. But there they come. The angels of God, are all around us. They're already battling. Their hands are already bloodied. I think I'm going to stop there. Friend, if you're listening to this this morning, the dawn is breaking, and all the shadows that you have feared and all the fears that you've wrestled with are going to flee away. I want you to believe that, and I want you to trust God in that. But God is quite possibly training you, and I know for certainty to go to a place where only you can go. I'm blessed. When I look at all my physical afflictions that I've had, I am so thankful because I know my specialty. We used to call it in the service an MOS. Know what what that stands for? Anybody? Method of service, I think it's called. But that meant that if you were an M60 machine gunner, or whatever you were, your, that was your MOS. That was your specialty. And I received special training. Mine was a machine gun, an M60. That was my training, and that's, I spent a lot of time on that thing. And it was fun to fire, but thank God I never had to fire at anybody. But I look at my MOS in, the God, in God's house God has built me to minister to the dying, to the sick, to the wounded, to those that are discouraged. I feel so happy when I'm doing that. I feel so fulfilled because that's my specialty. But your specialty may not be my specialty. You have something else that God's called you to do. You have to find it. You have to be proficient in it. And you have to use it so if you'll stand with me this morning I thought about the choir's song this morning there's fire in his eyes what does that mean passion the Lord is very passionate about this and he's saying wake up For the day is at hand, and the doors of redemption are soon going to close. And this world is going going to go into a period that if the days were not shortened, no one would be left alive. That's the day we're living in. That's why it's so critical that you do what you were designed to do, because you will be held accountable for the training that you've been receiving. Lord Jesus, I am thankful, Lord God, that, that you're here this morning, that you're in us this morning. I'm thankful for the word of God that gives me the ability not just to resist the enemy, but to utterly destroy the enemy and to confuse the enemy. I pray this morning there be a special anointing upon each and every person in this sanctuary so that they could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've called them and that they're your warrior and nothing's going to stop them and that your name is on their forehead and because they have not denied you, you will not deny them.